You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. I should be your supervisor, Judd. Why is that, Kenny? Yeah. Come on. Uh, give, it, give it to me. Tell me. They're a bunch of dogs. You don't want that, Judd. Don't silence me. How oh, dare yeah. you Don't silence me. Silence. I love the show already. <laughs> you were right. They got shut out. Yeah, on Friday, and I'm still heartbroken on Monday. Dum-dums. Heartbroken hardly. Beautiful seal that time by Towns. And that was a frustration dunk by Carl Anthony Towns. Wiggins finds Teague open for the three. Yes, sir! Well, you can't have a low... You can't have a letdown. You have to play for 48 minutes. I thought our guys did a terrific job of, uh, you know, defensively they were very good. And offensively, just trusting each other, making plays. We're just trusting one another. Uh, you know, if they get to the to the paint, we have trust that the bigs are going to be there, that the guards are going to come in and rebound for the bigs. And um, if somebody has to rotate, we trust each other enough to know that that person is going to be there. And that's all that defense is, uh, the the want to do it. You got to do it as hard as you can, and you got to trust everybody else out there on the floor. All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> yes, all right. Those were the good old days right all there. Right. All right. Too much negativity on this show last week. It's a series tonight, 7 o'clock. The Wolves can even the series against the number one seed, one of the great offensive collections in the history of the NBA, Houston Rockets. I'm not rushing to the betting window. I'm just okay? waiting for my chance, so go ahead. Not rushing to the betting window. I am. But does Game 3 make you pause at all Ab- about the length of this series? I mean, now obviously it's going 5 instead of 4 for yeah. sure. Yes, it does. Does game, fi- does game 3 make you pause at all and say, huh, well, I mean, if they did that every night for the last six months... Game three makes me pause and appreciate the fact that uh, for the first time since the spring of 2004, the Timberwolves won a home playoff game because they hadn't played a home playoff game since that time. Game three makes me pause and appreciate the fact that a long-suffering fan base actually got a night that was a lot of fun in which you played well, you beat a good team which did not play great, but does game three make me pause and think that, that we have a series? I, like, unlike you, I'm running to the window and I'm betting all I have, my house, the dog, probably not the wife, on the Houston Rockets oh, she, tonight. Oh, she's not going to want to stick around if you lost the dog and the house. You might as well bet the wife, too. Okay, then I'll throw her in, too. I am betting every... Wait, the house is gone? Sorry, I, Judd. I am, oh, the dog's gone, too? Yeah, I, I am I'll betting, go with them. Stella, I'm sorry, but I am betting your life on the fact that the Houston Rockets will beat the Timberwolves... Cover the spread. It'll be a sound oh. defeat tonight. Oh, you're putting all the money not on the series, but I'm on putting, game four. I'm putting every, oh. oh, no, no. I'm putting everything on tonight's game. I'm putting everything on tonight's game. Game three, to, uh, to go back to our discussion from a few weeks back, and I did not think Houston would do this. I thought Golden State might. I thought if the Wolves if the Wolves in game three at home might win if they had played Golden State. I said Houston, uh, probably not. I was wrong. But game three was a great environment. I don't know how seriously the Rockets have taken this series altogether. I thought Saturday they played some dumb basketball, and the Wolves, to their credit, played well. 
but I am putting everything I have on tonight's Game 4. Wow, I thought you meant everything no, you had on the series. The series and Game 4. Uh, can we get Judd to pay up on this somehow? Like, you can't run your mouth that aggressively and then not put something on the line for tonight's Game 4. Are you asking for the deed to the house and Stella? I don't do need you, either, yeah. but like, if, want, if there's a call, do you want a home? Want... Do you want a home? I can't ide- identify the exact address, but I'll tell you right now that it's a, it's a nice little house. You know How does Stella get along with cats? Actually, Stella and cats really well. Would Stella it's understand surprising. that it's Tigger's house first and foremost? Uh, no, she's a li- she's a little bit of an alpha, but she doesn't bother cats, and they don't bother her. It's a very odd dynamic. I don't she's necessarily an alpha, get it. Unlike Andrew Wiggins, okay, got it. Yeah, until the series. Apparently. She's more Jimmy Butler. <laughs> she's more. She plays hurt. Pretty good dog. Hey, you were you were in the arena for Game Three. What did so John Krasinski Athletic had a story about rolled up program guy. Yeah, coach. So they dust him off like he's been gone for about 10 years from season ticketville. Mm -hmm. They brought him back for the KG return and Mm -hmm. put him courtside where he used to sit. I did not see him on TV courtside. Do we know where newspaper guy or or program guy I have no idea. The only guy I I saw that that they brought out uh, at some point during the course of a timeout uh, to to do basically something that you would have appreciated, which was a wrestling promo was Jiggly. Jiggly came out. Wait, Jiggly cut a promo. He cut a well. I think so because he usually came, he just jiggles. No, he came out. They didn't just show him. They actually had a bit set up where Crunch suggests to uh, in arena PA uh, entertainment guy that they bring out Jiggly. Jiggly comes out to center court did Crunch, during a did timeout. Crunch have signs or something. He or whispered what? to him so you couldn't hear Crunch. But oh, the guy. So, oh, so now Crunch can speak. It's just Crunch like can only, now speak, okay. but you can't hear him. So. In arena guy says to Crunch, are you sure that this is a good idea or something like that? Crunch nods his Crunch head, and then he's like, okay. And then you see Jiggly in the corridor. He comes out to center court and starts screaming at the top of his Jiggly lungs. But here's the disappointment. We have to go back like 12 years to dust off some of these bits. Here's the disappointment. Jiggly didn't jiggle. I'm like, dude, you got to lift the shirt up, right? I think he's been on the whole 30 for the last... Month or Jiggly so. didn't jiggle. He's metafast. Yeah. <laughs> that my, oh, you know what? He did look. He did look skinnier. Not gets, really skinny, but he did look skinnier. Get some help from the rook, huh? He, he might be that, onto he something. He watched that Netflix documentary about red meats and carbs, and he's out now. <laughs> you might be onto it, but oh, Jiggly. Man. So Jiggly came out and said, "You got it. This is the first time in 14 years." You can't come out and not jiggle if you're but Jiggly. He didn't jiggle. He didn't lift his shirt up. I was incredibly disappointed wow. by Jiggly. Um. Well, I thought everything there's there's one giant thing that is is going to change in this series, but there's a lot of things from game 3 that I mean you and I are both we've been tweeting about this all weekend. If you get that version of Andrew Wiggins, we're not even talking like he doesn't even have to be the best player on the court, but if he's going to give you 25 and 5 and play defense, which is what we've been asking for for 4 years on a nightly basis. Uh so I think like I don't think Wiggins' performances have been unrepeatable. I don't think the Teague, Butler, the veteran group that's played in over 200-plus playoff games in their career, like, their performances are are sustainable. Carl Anthony Towns hasn't given you anywhere near his best basketball in this series. The biggest discrepancy that the Wolves have to watch out for tonight, Houston, in three games so far, has shot 31%, 27%, and 36% from downtown. Mm-hmm. This is one of the greatest three-point shooting teams in the NBA's history. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had a night at all in this series yet where they just go blackout crazy and shoot 40 or 50% from downtown. 
the Wolves, meanwhile, in that game three, I believe it was 56% from three, the Wolves shot. That's coming down. Rockets are going up. Can yep. you make up for it in other ways is the question. So explain this to me. As a basketball guy, do you watch what the Rockets have done uh, three-point-wise, which has not been great, and say they're struggling, or do you credit the Wolves defensively and say that they are doing something that's causing Houston to struggle from the three-point line? So I'd have to uh, I'd have to talk to people who break film down. I don't do that. Uh, I just watch as a as a crazy but what's fan. What's your feeling? But I would say the first the first two games, it felt like Houston was just missing a lot of open threes. And even Mike D'Antoni after game one was like, yeah, I guess they just make uh, they just put a hex on us with their eyes. Like he was kind of making fun of the fact that they weren't closing out and we were just missing shots. Game three felt much more like everyone on the court, even the bad defensive players. Like Derrick Rose is traditionally a terrible defensive player. Andrew Wiggins, when he's disengaged, is not a good defensive player. And Towns, it felt like everybody was all in hair on fire uh taj gibson had a play in game three where he just he went straight up on james harden yes. and james harden put up it was like an air ball with the shot clock expiring and yep. it was it was like the peak excitement level in the arena where the wolves are on this run they're up by 10 plus and taj gibson plays stand-up is D that on, the one where towns tried to act like he, he was trying to see where the ball was going to go because you one couldn't find them, yeah. it he did that twice yeah you might want to put the brakes on that. I saw him do it once. Put and up I, 20 points before you start doing I that. I saw him do, do that once, and I thought to myself, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I, I don't mean, need. I don't funny, think you but... need to troll. It's funny, but I don't know if you're if you're the Wolves and Towns in particular that trolling Houston at this point is a great idea. I think I'd just be like, oh, that's too bad he missed it. Yeah, give me the ball back. I, I actually, I've got. We're going to get to Matt Thomas, radio voice of the Rockets, who is very very cocky when we were texting this weekend. Uh, so. I guess this is our one chance to throw it back in his face before game four tonight, if, if that was indeed the peak for the Wolves. But we'll get to him in about 20 minutes. I also have some Wolves futility trivia for you guys before uh, before too long here. <laughs> All right, Timberwolves. Ding, ding. Walking into the scores, and this place goes nuts. Buffalo fires with the scores. Here's Tanner. Knocked it down, scores. In front, Cop almost buried it. Well, I thought we were rattled. I mean, we couldn't handle the puck very well. We weren't making our passes in the first 10 minutes and uh, looked like we were nervous out there. And they obviously took advantage of that. Okay, then. And yeah. that game was over at uh, at uh, the 542 mark of the first period on Friday when the Wild trailed in a must-win game 2-0. I've got a question for you guys that I ran by collar on the Saturday show, and I want to know if this makes me a bad person. I think it I think it makes me a jerk, but I'm not positive. So as I was do, doing when the Wild played its three road games in this series, because you had the side-by-side local telecast and national telecast on Friday night, I started off on USA Network, which was showing the, the Hockey Night in Canada feed, which is the more, it's not totally, but the more impartial, certainly informative telecast. Wild gives up the first goal 30 seconds in or something like that? I think it was 31 seconds Okay, in, yeah. so they're down one They're down one rip, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I was literally getting a beer out of my fridge. Like, the goal cliche, like, oh, I didn't even have time. I was literally getting a beer out of the fridge while the horn was sounding. <laughs> so that's your like first... The cliche thing happened to me in game so whatever the, that was, five. So the, that's your first goal of the game, and, you you know, I got my description of what, what broke down and what the Jets did right. Okay, that's fine. 542, the Jets go up to zip. And I said, I got to do it. So I picked up my remote control and punched in 
863. Such an ambulance. I said, I've got to see. This is going so sideways and so wrong. I've got to see what Fox Sports North is going to say about this. Because this is about to become a debacle, which it did. Let me guess. So it was four goals in the first, right? Correct. Second intermission, we got the, hey, things have really improved here in the second period. What did you guys do to turn it around? (laughs) That was actually in the second period that they said that. (laughs) Oh, they didn't even wait? Greenlight, in the course of the second period, said the Wild is playing a much better period right now. Uh, Throughout the course, in fact, I I I jotted some things down. We we got injuries have made a difference here because yep. they don't have Parisi, no suitor. Yeah. Hold on, let it be known that while we're pointing out the flaws in in that analysis, at least two of us, maybe all three, buried the wolves on Friday with like I, I went on to write that down and record saying sweep. I'm not I'm not here. We've all swung and missed. All I'm right? not here to necessarily criticize the FSN North Wild crew. What I'm asking is. Does it make me a bad person that at two rip, no, I switched just, over and said, I've got to watch this now. I will say, I actually commend Anthony LaPanta. He he took to Twitter a few hours before the game and said, I've had a feeling all day. I'm paraphrasing. I've, I've had a, he's put his neck out in a situation where it was like, uh, the thing that he was predicting was unlikely. I've had a feeling all day. Wild scores first, brings the series back to Minnesota. And like, could I mean, but hey. Shooters got to shoot, take your shots. Yeah, no question. Yes. I just think it I doesn't might be... make you a bad person. It just right. makes you an ambulance chaser. You, I, you prefer the darkness. I was just, I started off with, with the good intention of trying to watch <laughs> the national telecast, and then I said to myself, I can't do it. I've got to see what they say locally. So the season is done, and, and we can certainly talk about the decisions that are going to have to be made here regarding uh, Chuck Fletcher, which we'll do at 10 o'clock. Uh, but I don't see you're going to. I don't know if you're going to fire the GM, Phil Mackey, but you have to make changes. Chip Scoggins' column had a great point on in the uh, Sunday Star Tribune. Since Suter and Parisi arrived in 2012, you've made six postseason appearances. That covers eight playoff series. To win a Stanley Cup in the course of one springtime, you need to win 16 games. Since Parisi and Suter arrived, they haven't even won 16. They've won 15. Wow. They haven't even won enough games to, in totality, to get you to a Stanley Cup. Wow. Well, they've won so two series. That's eight. So they've won in the six series that they've lost. They've won a combined eight games. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You yeah, can't that's keep not going gonna, down the same course. That's not going to cut it. Uh, yeah, we're going to go much deeper on that, like you said, at 10 o'clock today. Lindsay Whalen will join at 11 o'clock, make her weekly appearance. She's been very busy the last couple weeks with uh, What's she doing? two full-time jobs. She plays professional basketball. No, she coaches. And uh, Derek Wetmore, that was kind of a throwaway series for the Twins in Tampa over the weekend. So we'll talk to Derek about that at 1130. Uh, I got a little Wolves trivia for you guys when we come back to. And is it possible that the player we have ripped on the most on this show has finally seen the light? Has he reached a new level? Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. Beautiful seal that time by Towns. And that was a frustration dunk by Carl Anthony Towns. You know, you can't have a lull. You can't have a letdown. You have to play for 48 minutes. I thought our guys did a terrific job of, uh, you know, defensively they were very good. And offensively, just trusting each other, making plays. Mackie and Judd. We'll catch up with our friend Matt Thomas, who uh, calls 
play-by-play on the radio for the Houston Rockets. He was awfully trash-talky. Awfully trash-talky. Oh, was he? Yeah. I saw him before game three, and he did not trash talk me, but uh, that doesn't mean that he didn't um, we'll that he didn't get after you a little bit. We'll see if he still feels the same bravado. Uh, gentlemen, Dave Benz sent this text out, or this tweet out, over the weekend. This was before the Wolves won game three. I want to quiz you guys. All right. That's going to be our Wolves trivia music for right now. Thanks, John Tesh. A total of 131 players have logged minutes for the Timberwolves since their last home playoff game in 2004, heading into the weekend. Uh, so let's just simplify that by saying 131 players have played in a game for the Wolves since their last playoff game in 2004. He put a list of like the order of how many, like the number one guy who's played the most games and, and all the way down to the guys who played one game, like Justin Patton played one game. Can you name the 10 players who played in the most games for the Wolves since their last playoff appearance at home before the weekend? Give you guys three strikes. All right, Dave. Are we guessing? Are we guessing? Go ahead, get on the same page. Are we guessing that KG makes that list before he gets to it and then comes back? But he didn't play. He didn't play enough after he came back, did he? Probably. Why don't you just throw out a few names, Judd? All right, let's start with Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> uh, Andrew Wiggins. I like to go down this. Andrew Wiggins is correct. I'll give you guys three strikes. Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Ooh, uh, yes. Cat is Cat uh, is also correct. One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to go top ten for you guys. So okay. All yeah. right. Rubio. Uh, Rubio is correct. Judd, your turn. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think so I don't get something wrong. Rubio okay. is third, Wiggins is fourth, and Cat is uh, eighth on this list. We've got strikes, Judd. Come on. Um, Kevin Love. Uh, Kevin Love is number two on this list. Yes. Gorgie Jang. Gorgie Jang is on the list. Where do you think he ranks? <laughs> number one. Gorgie Jang has played the most games of any Timberwolf. Since their last playoff game at home in 2004. Has he really? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Think about that. He All doesn't right. miss games. No, he does not. Oh, my God. That's frightening. Come on. Come on. You guys got half of them. You got five left. Oh. One, two, three, four, five left. I don't know. Just guess names. It's, come on. You quitter. I just want the last five names. What do you think? I want to get good buzz killing the pit. <sighs> All right. Come on. You said KG. I'll give you KG. You got four left. All right. Is it my turn now? Yeah, you get credit for that? Are you serious? Oh, you're disgusting. Uh, did Peck play enough games? Yes, Peck is on the list. I was going to guess Peck. Three and left, I thought and you guys no have way. not even had a strike yet. And I you're thought that there was well. no no way that Peck would make that list. Um... <sighs> Hold on. What you, they've played for 12 years. Just start naming Timberwolves. <laughs> Um, Bielitsa. Bielitsa is incorrect. It's a good guess, though. All right. He's been on the team for a while. It's not that good of a guess, let's be honest. That was, that was a bad All right, the, the, three, the, the three guys left, one of them is recent. The other two are more like five-plus years ago. Yeah, I got nothing at this point. All right, all right. You guys, great job, you guys. Oh, hey, couldn't we even, only got one strike. max out the strikes. Uh, Shabazz Muhammad. Oh, Baz. Ryan sure. Gomes. Okay. I've, and no. Corey Brewer is on the uh, list. Corey Brewer I should have gotten. The fact that's that, that Gorgie Jeng is number one is yeah, very that's impressive. A, that's a frightening thought. Yes. That's a very frightening thought. Right. Nice job. That was good. Um, that is a... <laughs> Judd hates games. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like games that much. I really don't. I keep telling you guys that. 
You had you had more deep sighs than you had actual guesses. <laughs> I know that I did. Show. I know I did. I'm not a game guy. I'm sorry. Okay. <sighs> When's the game gonna be over? I'm not a game guy. I'm just not. I think uh, on this this Andrew Wiggins, who's been Andrew Wiggins, has probably been the Wolves' best two way player in this series. I mean, Jim, Jimmy yeah. Butler is always really good, and Towns has had one decent game. The difference between coma Andrew Wiggins, we were talking about this before the show, and superstar Andrew Wiggins, yep. in which, like, if you're going to divvy up, well, what percentage of the time do you get either or? I think you're getting superstar Andrew Wiggins maybe 20% of the time where he's active on both ends and he's grabbing rebounds and doing other things and getting I honest, the rim. I think that's high, but... So, ma- I'd a say max it's of less. 20%. Yeah, I'd say it's less. Uh, but when you get that superstar Wiggins, it's like you're adding... A two-way all-star. It's almost like you're adding so, Kawhi Leonard Light or something to your team. So we so we could talk about the the frustration of this guy because it's he indicts himself when he plays like he did in Game Three. It's a complete indictment of the guy that we see a lot of the time. But I think it comes down to this: if he plays, so let's say tonight he's good again. Let's let's not even say he's great. Let's say he's good, and now you've got it. Now you've got tangible evidence to the entire NBA. That when this guy is on, it's really good. He's a max player. Do you look at that if you're the Wolves and say, we can get that? Or do you look at that and say, you know what? This ain't ever going to change. Because th- the guy that you saw in Game 3 is eminently tradable. Boy, that's a re- that's a really tough question. Because obviously, if you thought he was capable of... Like, if if this is his first experience and taste of this level of basketball, and he's playing with the best players in this series. He's 25 and 5 and it's defense and it's activity. And yeah, like shot selection is still weird sometimes. He'll, he'll get in the paint and take these weird fadeaways that you know, so there's there's definitely still things. But overall, if you thought this was another level and of course like he's there's been times where he's he's gone two months where he'll score 25 plus points a game or something and then he'll he'll regress back and and give you almost nothing for a month and a half. That's a really tough... Fortunately for the Wolves, they do get to watch the rest of the series play out, and he's still at an age where you can add layers to your game and you can reach new levels of consistency. But off of what you just said, the frustration of, like, why don't you get this more often? Why didn't he do this more often when Jimmy Butler was out or even when Jimmy Butler was there, right? It doesn't. It, it's frustrating. Anyone who has been arguing for Cat or Wiggins, well, age. I mean, look at these guys are young. You got to... Like, as if you can't dominate an NBA game until you're a certain age, right? Yep. Look around the league in the playoffs. Look at game three. Andrew Wiggins, yep. still relatively young. Carl Anthony Towns wasn't his best, but went off for a big-time double-double, 16 rebounds, was taunting James Harden. Like, like you don't have to be 30 to dominate an NBA playoff game. Donovan Mitchell has been one of the best players in the playoffs so far. That dude's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons is like 20 or 21 years old. He's averaging almost a triple-double in a playoff series. Greek freak. Joel Embiid, Greek freak. Greek freak is 23 years old. So about the same timeline as Wiggins. He's 23 years old, been in the league for about four years. He's averaging in four games against the Celtics, 28, eight and a half rebounds. He's a bigger dude, obviously. He's a more skilled player. Uh, six and a half assists. He's also shooting like forty percent from three point range, which for him, uh, that's that's higher than than usual for him. Like, just all I'm saying is, if you're pumping the brakes on Wiggins and Cap because oh they're just too young, then you need to increase your expectations. There's a lot of really good young players who are dominating and not waiting for permission until they're 27 years old. Like, it's okay to go right now. And, and Wiggins, 
has been that for the first three games of the series. And in Game 3, he was fantastic. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm the Wolves and I, I'm w- watching this, I'm saying to myself, there are some players who you say to yourself, uh, they're trying hard, they're struggling, and I think they'll develop, or certain areas of their game fall short. And Cat, in in the first two games especially, is that guy. Like, I watch Cat and I say... Is this a, is this really concerning? Yeah, not really. I think he'll he'll be fine. When Wiggins shows you, and this goes back, Phil, and this is what drives me crazy. But but this was easy to flag after the first Cavaliers game he played in his his rookie year in Cleveland, when he publicly came out and said that was a motivational game. I went in there and he played a great game, and he said I went in there and I played like that because I I wanted to show the Cavs that they made a mistake by trading me and LeBron in particular that I'm really good. And you know what? Game three, national TV game. You're up against it. Everything says to him, this is a game for me. When you say that, I say to myself, I try and maximize your potential and value, and I look very hard at trading you. Because I don't think it's going to change. Cat, I see deficiencies that he's going to, to develop on, and I don't know that he's going to become a perfect player, but I think the areas where he lacks right now, he's going to start to improve on. Andrew Wiggins, when he plays like he did on Saturday to me, that's a performance that I say, we get this 15% of the time. For the most part, you are deciding when to do it. Teams aren't stopping you. It's you. And I say, if I can get this guy's value to what I think it's going to be, there is at least a handful of teams that are going to say, I'll take a chance. And yeah. I'm done taking chances on. After seeing what we've seen far too often, I'm done with it. And, and and you know, like I am absolutely anti-Wiggins club member number one the last three years in this town. I just, I, I hate his lack of enthusiasm and energy. I just, I hate the way he loafs around the court. I hate the way that he doesn't understand where to shoot from and what he's good at. I hate the fact that he shoots 60% from the free throw line. Like, why, what? Why do you shoot six? Why do you why do you shoot like Shaq from the free throw line? Not quite that bad, but so all of those things, like I I'm not backing away from those things, but it makes you think twice when you see him do this, and you see him having these epiphanies on the court in a playoff series. Oh, okay, and then you see that the Wolves can dominate and blow out the best team in the NBA when he's playing at that level, and if he if he reverts back to passive Wiggins or bad shot selection Wiggins. In game four, and the Rockets heat up from three, they're going to get blown out themselves. Like he's the difference between yes, and he was a team that can get into the playoffs and you know maybe beat like the Blazers, but if they're matched up against the Warriors or the Rockets, they're going to get smoked. Like if he's Coma Wiggins, you're getting smoked. Mm-hmm. If he's All Star Wiggins, you can you can win multiple games in the series against the best team in the NBA, maybe even more than that. So we'll see what happens. Game four, yeah. No, he dri- he drives you crazy. Um, Still does. Let's talk. Uh, we're going to talk plenty more Chuck Fletcher's future in about a half hour from now. Uh, a weird series for the Twins against ghosts from Twins past in Tampa this week, and we'll talk more about that. Lindsey Whalen at eleven o'clock. Our buddy Matt Thomas, radio voice of the Houston Rockets, used to have a show here on AM fifteen hundred for a few years before uh, you and I took the mics here. Let's talk to him when we come back. Mackie and Jeff from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Sometimes they're misguided, and sometimes it's all a bunch of hot air and, and an excuse to get drunk. Mackey and Judd. Do not like to be told by their elders how things used to be and how things used to be better. On 1500 ESPN. Hold on, I'm trying to find the Tim soundbite. This needs to be mashed as much as possible. All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> He's just pumped up. 
All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> Didn't even say that Saturday. He used to react that way after uh, every Wolves win. All right, Matt Thomas, radio voice of the Houston Rockets. Was Game 3 a reckoning for this Minnesota Timberwolves team or just a small speed bump on the way to a five-game Rockets decisive series win? Your thoughts. B. That's it. <laughs> B. Yeah. It better not go to it. I'm telling you what. After the game tonight, and we're staying at the hotel across from the arena, I walked among thousands of people chanting wolves in six. Yeah, Jeb was one of them. They were saying they were chanting that in the arena in the third quarter, and I wanted to tell them all, put your drinks down for one second, sober up, and have fun with tonight. Slow your roll down. Now, granted, the wolves are good. I mean, they run, you know, as uh, Tibbs has said multiple times, you know, the, they were third in the West until uh, Butler goes down. So there, this isn't a, a case of lack of respect. You know, the Wolves are very good. Great game. That's a lot as I've ever heard Target Center in my entire life. And congratulations, everybody. But um, the reality is, guys, the Rockets just, it hasn't been uh, fluid. And even when they're not fluid, they win basketball games. I was thinking about this today. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the Rockets not having to play a meaningful game in a long period of time because they've been in the top spot forever. Then Golden State with Steph gets hurt, and they lose a bunch of games. I don't think the Rockets have had a real put-your-foot-down, let's-go-full-throttle game since about March 20th when we when the Rockets ended the 13-game winning streak of the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. So yeah. it has been a while, and so I would say after game three, blip on the radar, but certainly a wake-up call. I feel like... I mean, there there was a lot of things in Game 3 that are absolutely sustainable if the Wolves want them to be, like active Andrew Wiggins is something that we only see about yeah. 20% of the time, and that's that's sustainable. The two things that, that would give me the most pause if I'm the Wolves, number one, they shot like 55 or 56% from downtown, and uh, like you can't expect that to continue throughout the series. And number two, and we've been talking with people on Twitter about this, Matt, the Rockets, the Rockets aren't the best percentage three-point shooting team. A lot of their no. success is is just volume of three-point shots. But even with that, yeah. they're only shooting like 31% from the from the three-point line in the series. At some point, they're due to shoot 40 or 50% from downtown and get white hot and win a game that way. Well, and a lot of that is because, you know, Eric Gordon and Trevor Rees have not made their threes. I don't expect P.J. Tucker to do a lot of that because he doesn't shoot a lot. His defensive intensity is what, you know, he brings to the table. But if Ariza and Gordon can get going, and look, let's look at Ryan Anderson, guy that hasn't played in you know three, four weeks, steps on the floor, and we're not completely sure if his ankle's all right, and he makes four out of six and three. Uh, Chris and, and and James have to be excellent. There's that goes without saying. But it's got to be that third piece, whether it's Clint Capella on the pick and roll, which I thought the Wolves did a very good job of of stifling him in Game Three, or it's Ariza or it's uh, Eric Gordon. I'm looking at my stats right now. I mean, we're talking about a Rockets team that you're right, uh, Phil, doesn't care about the percentage. It's just the sheer number of shots. The Rockets took more threes than twos this year. So add that all together, and it's, yeah, it's not going to be sexy in the stat card, but more times than not, when the Rockets are winning basketball games, they have 17 threes and the opponents are four. And the, the number one thing I thought about after the game was, look, Kudos to Minnesota for hitting the three. But you guys tell me, how many times during the course of the regular season did the Minnesota Timberwolves hit 15 threes in a single basketball game? Yeah, oh, it's, yeah it doesn't happen, basically. Yeah. Like, the only, the, only, the only thing the Wolves have in their back pocket that they haven't really deployed yet in this series is full-strength beast Carl Anthony Towns. He was fine in Game 3, but... Like if there's a yeah. if there's a 33-15 and 4 Carl Anthony Towns performance in there that knocks down four threes, 
which there has been in the regular season, uh, that has not emerged yet in this series. Well, I'll say this. I expect him to do that, but the Rockets still can win. Mm-hmm. I don't want Jeff Teague hitting those mid-range jumpers over and over and over again. I thought that was the number one thing. And the fact is, I don't know why 27-year-old Derek Rosa showed up, uh, but that's <laughs> something I don't think the Rockets expected either. So, are, are Matt, in your opinion, the Rockets struggling on threes, or do, do we have to credit the Wolves with actually coming up with a good game plan and defensively playing the, them well on those three-point shots? What's your opinion of that? All I would ask you to, and to answer the question was go look at the tape. How many contested threes did the Rockets take? And there were a couple. In fact, one was Gerald Green falling out of bounds that actually made that shot. Yep. Um, you know, I, honestly, as I watch this game, these team every single night, when the Rockets aren't making the threes, more times than not, it's because they just can't find the mark. They're an extraordinarily good passing team. They take the extra pass. They're not afraid. You know, there'll be some times, Judd, that they'll that James will go iso ball and Chris will do the same thing. But more times than not, it's a great you know ball handling team. Uh, both James and both Chris have a, you know have been in top ten in assists all season long. So I would chalk it up, frankly, more to guys not hitting the open shots as compared to what Minnesota did. Because if that was the case, I would have seen it from the Wolves earlier this year. And in the previous six games, I haven't. So, you know, I would say, if anything, from the defensive standpoint, the way they limited the pick and roll and didn't allow Clint Capella to get inside and down low on those feeds and just kind of muddying up the low block, I thought that was the most impressive thing I saw from Minnesota defensively on Saturday. Matt Thomas is with us here. He's our friend from 790 in Houston and also the radio voice of the Rockets. And uh, the Wolves-Rockets series continues tonight, 7 o'clock, national TV, obviously. Uh, FSN gets to broadcast the first round. Jim Pete's awesome on these games, so I like to flip back and forth. But one thing when I was watching, I believe it was the TNT coverage of the game game three and they did one of those huddle cut-ins where they show you like 20 seconds of mike d'antoni mike Dan- and you know mike d'antoni way better i'm just watching from afar for the last 15 years but he has such yeah. a great simplified leadership uh i guess strategy where hey we're down by 10 whatever it is and in the huddle you hear him very clearly saying guys we shoot threes and play defense just yeah. keep shooting threes and playing defense, and then to simplify yeah. it even more, on defense we switch everything. So it's 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 so simple. Obviously, to pull it off is is not always easy. But I love how simple his leadership style is, and it seems like it makes a big difference with this team. Well, first of all, uh, you know, Phil, that's who he is. Um, I, I've been around a lot of coaches in both professional and college basketball. Uh, he's the most chill coach I've been around, and and I don't know if a younger Mike D'Antoni running Phoenix or being in the, in the hotbeds of New York and Los Angeles was that that way. But he knew when he got this job, this was going to be his last. He's 66 years old. He knows he's got, he knows he's got great superstars. He also knows if he, you know, rags on him and screams at him that he's going to lose the team. And that's why, you know, coaches don't last long in the NBA, especially when it's a megastar league. But it is funny that you bring that up because I had asked him, he and I do a weekly uh, segment together on my radio show, and I said, man, I watch you guys on the, you know, I'll go back and watch the replays and uh, I'll say, hey, no, you didn't say a whole lot. And he goes, well, honestly, the rules are in the NBA with TNT is that they're not going to ever talk about strategy. They're going to give you the most generic 15, rev the guys up, go get them kind of guys. Anytime they ever talk about philosophy, the cameras are turned off. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it is who he is, I'll say that. But also you're not going to see that on a national broadcast. And then you got Tibbs, Matt. And then you oh got Tibbs gosh. ranting. This this is why I keep saying if the Wolves are going to have success with Tibbs, it has to come very quickly. 
Because in 2018, in in this league, you can't survive yelling and screaming constantly. Well, I, as I told you guys, when I broadcast games up here, I have to turn the crowd mic down on the lower level off because he's just a swearing, you know what? And I don't know how much he was doing it the other night because I told my engineer, I said, there's just no chance. I don't want you even, you know, I, I got an FCC license to protect on my Rockets broadcast. I can't have him yelling and screaming. <laughs> yes, so, you do. Uh, he, you know, he's. I went to his pregame press conference where I saw a, a very handsome Judd Zelgad hanging out, and oh, thank you. he looks pretty calm and cool. And I, maybe that's just his encore persona, but, uh, you know, I, again, I think Andrew Wiggins, he, and nobody's, you know, ever saying this for sure, but I, I don't know if he's going re- to, to relate to a guy like that. I know Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson, those are salty, you know, veterans. Jamal Crawford's been there, done that. But this is still, you know, the, the core of this team, the stars, are young, and I don't know if that's going to play long-term for anywhere. And I think it's why he wore out his welcome in Chicago, and I don't know how they're feeling about him here, but, uh, you know, I've Mike D'Antoni and I have had numerous conversations, not about him in particular, but just about the way that this is even more a player's league than even when Magic was firing coaches and when and Michael Jordan was firing coaches. The, the shelf life for guys that are going to bombast and scream and yell at guys is very short-lived. What do you think is the most likely finals matchup? Huh. Um, well, I mean, I want the, I need the Rockets to play better. If the Rockets can hit their threes and do the types of things defensively they did the regular season, they can absolutely beat the Golden State Warriors. I think it's going to be, at the end of the day, and again, this is purely with my Rockets shirt on and being a company employee, I have the Rockets playing the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, really? Dude, Cle- Cleveland is grinding right now. Cleveland's... I. I don't know about Toronto because Toronto is uh, Toronto is on the ropes right now too in their series. But like in the East, wh- wh- put it this way: whoever comes out of the East, including if LeBron's Cavs come out of the East, it's a I think it's a five game series. The Western Conference Finals are the NBA Finals this year. Well, I mean, I fully expect Cleveland, Indiana, to go seven games. I mean, did you see the game last night? Yeah. I mean, good gracious, uh, LeBron hasn't had this trouble ever in his entire life in a first-round series like this. And, and Indiana's all right. I mean, Oladipo is really good. Sabonis is good. Collison's respectable. Uh, but if they're going to if they're gonna struggle with a seven-game first-round in Indiana, imagine when it goes, you know, maybe, you know, playing a Boston or a, uh, you know, a Cleveland. I mean, I should say a Toronto. I, I don't know. It's, it seems to be very difficult for me to see them Cleveland repeating. Well, enjoy your breakfast this morning, Matt Thomas, and uh, we'll see what happens. It sounds like you're saying it's not as much Rocky Balboa cutting the Russian in Rocky Four. It's more like it's just more like a little uh, I don't know a bad round or something. Yeah, can I scream after the Rockets win tonight? If they do, Rockets <laughs> in five. Rockets uh, in no, five. Come on, Wolves in six. Say it, Matt Thomas. Wolves in six. Wolves in six. Bad connection, boys. Got to go. See yeah. You. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks. See you tonight. <laughs> they were. They were screaming at wolves in six. I can't come up with another chant. I mean, come on. Hey, I think when you have that much pent up frustration and it's that long of a drought. I mean, come on. It's like the first date that we've been on as wolves fans in twelve years. Yes, marriage. We're gonna, we're going for it all. Yeah, what would you like them to chant, Judd? Something besides Wolves in six. Wolves in seven. We'll lose one of these, but not two more. I'm just telling the fans, keep your pants on on this date, okay? That's all I'm trying to tell them. Why can't you just give in (laughs) to a fun moment once? Why does it need to be Wolves in six? Can can it be? I mean... You're having a great game. I'm not saying you can't chant. And by the by, do you the want way, him to chant Rockets and, in five? Ha ha! You didn't by, sweep us. By the way, just very quickly. All right, in arena PA guy, 
third quarter. Oh my God! Goes gets gets the mic and says, "Target Center, I don't hear you. This is not a Tuesday night in January. This is the playoffs. If that's the case, then don't scream at me on an arbitrary Tuesday night in January next year, okay? I I don't want to hear it on a Tuesday night in January. I changed my thought from a half hour ago. You are a bad person. See, I told you. So, do you really think you're suited to be the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? You know what? If you want to call in, if you think the Wolves have turned this series, or if you agree with Judd, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd. You know what time it is? Mackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty. On 1500 ESPN. Save the day for the fourth annual Town Ball Classic returning to Target Field Saturday, May 26th, presented by 1500 ESPN. And the Minnesota Twins, the day kicks off at 10 a.m. with the Class C game, followed by Class B and Class A action. All of them broadcast right here on 1500 ESPN. And if you want to get down to the ballpark and see it in person, just 10 bucks. that's all your ticket is, and it's good for the entire day. Proceeds from the event benefit the Twins Community Fund. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. All right, you, you bring up a really fun point about Andrew Wiggins and that, and let's read a couple emails here too, just that he's game three is, the, is what you would love to see all the time. And it wasn't anything crazy extraordinary it was 20 points five rebounds five assists and some defense some engagement some energy uh in these playoffs he's been 17 points six rebounds three assists 50 percent from the field and 42 percent from three with some defense you would absolutely take that on a regular basis yes emailer ben i would trade wiggins in a heartbeat at his peak here Question is, what could we get back of a late first-round pick and maybe a second round from someone? I mean, you'd have to match salaries most likely because, like, who's going to absorb $25, $30 million a year in cap space? If he had another great game or two, he might be very marketable. Our guy, the dude, emails in. Wiggins going off is the best thing to happen for the Wolves because it rebuilds the image we need in order to ship him somewhere for consistent talent. Dude and I thinking along the same lines here. I truly believe, though, that if we dumped... Tom Thibodeau, we could get a coach in there who could pull this energy and output for Wiggins <laughs> on a night-to-night basis. However, Tom Thibodeau leaving doesn't look like it's going to happen now, so shipping Wiggins is the only option left for growth, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I th- I think I started saying this a year ago that I would I would trade him. I just don't I don't want to lock into that max contract, but I also think that we should be, and Corzo's been texting us, and he's on the same... I, wanna, I also want to just pump the brakes on that because there is a chance that a 23-year-old could could have a light bulb go on and get to the next level. I don't want to I don't want to dismiss that as a possibility. Do I think it's likely, or do I think it's just hey, he had a good game, like he had a good game, and he's capable and of having great games, which is an indictment that you're singling out the great games after four years. I mean, with Greek Freak, people aren't saying, "Wow, what a great!" Game. They're like, "Oh, that's just how that's, he plays yes, every night. He is a star." Yeah. Oh, Ben Simmons, did you see the? No, well, he does the every yes. night. Yes. yes. Uh, in this case, I would not pump the brakes in the sense that I think what you're doing here is you're seeing Wiggins build value. And I think what you need to do is understand that there's always going to be a certain amount of teams that that potentially get fooled by that and say, well, if he can do that in the playoffs, I know how I can get that from him consistently during the course of a season, which teams always think. But if you're the Wolves and you're smart, you probably come to the conclusion, we've tried that, and it's not working. And so 
when you're about to kick in a max contract, I really believe that, that what this is going to present you, once these playoffs are done, if you are, are the Wolves, is an opportunity, a rare one, to say, if we think we've made a mistake, we can rectify it right now. And th- this is rare, but I, but Phil, unless, unless Glenn, who's sitting front row, says, "Oh yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> that's very true." But this is the rare opportunity. We've all seen players who we say they're not busts; they just are never going to get it. And I told you, at 23, cat struggles in these playoffs to me are are a natural course of they're disappointing. But I think he's going to be fine. But we've seen enough from Andrew to say, "Don't let this fool you." See, I don't think that this is a turning point. I think that this is another motivational situation which comes along for him every once in a while, in which case he indicts himself by showing you how great he can be, only then to lapse back into the guy that that you referred to as playing in a coma. Is it fair to say I think Andrew Wiggins has approached classic Minnesota sports territory where I'm almost 100% certain that he's never going to be a superstar caliber two-way player on a regular basis with the Wolves, but I'm also almost 100% certain that if you trade him, he will become that with another team. Yes. Like, I could see that. I, yes. I'm I'm fairly certain he's going to have this Albatross well, terrible contract, and you're going to hate it more than you hate the Maurer contract, but if you trade him, he's going to do what Ricky Rubio is doing right now, and which is a triple really good doubles player on a team. And, and a sniper the dude, the three-point dude br- shooter. The dude brings up a great point. If you are going to commit to Tibbs, I think it's a mistake to commit to Andrew. If you're not going to commit to Tibbs, I think there's a fighting chance, a fighting chance. I'm not saying for sure, but I think you've got an opportunity to potentially get a coach in here who can identify with him and get the most from him at least more consistently. But if you're going to put all, all your stock in Tibbs, I don't see that ever being Tibbs. Is there a way where you could just like you could isolate Rubio from all forms of media and communication during the offseason and then tell him at the beginning of the year, hey, the NBA season is now just a series of like seven game sprints. Who? And so like you have to win four out of every seven games to advance to the next seven games. So you have to play like that all the time. Just tell him, hey, the NBA season, the, the league changed the format. And so every game <laughs> Every game so for six you, months is so super important. Lose four of our first seven were just done. out of the season. Yeah, I don't you got to go like this all the time because you might be right. You might trade him, and he <laughs> ends up going into Springfield in twenty-five years. I mean, it's like I felt that way about so many Minnesota players. Aaron Hicks was the last one I felt that way about. Where, I mean, at some point you just got to cut bait on a guy and get what you can for him, and then wind up getting who is the catcher they got again? John so, Ryan Murphy, who's an Arizona. They've since yeah. dealt him to the Diamondbacks. I think he's still there. But I, but you knew. It's just not working with Aaron Hicks. He's Absolutely. too damaged. Whatever happened in the development system, it just isn't working. Right. But you know that he's going to go somewhere else and become this. And he's productive. Not an all-star there. player. He's not great. He's productive. I mean, he hit a couple bombs all, last all, week. All I'm saying is that you, the window is open for the opportunity to do what, what you've been talking about, potentially trying to do all year long, which is. We have now seen three consecutive games, and we might see four from the young man where he's good enough to have value. And if you pump the brakes, guess what? That opportunity goes away. And would you take your chances? And I'm not I'm not saying that, that you trade him and give him away. What I'm saying is that the return would have to be decent. But I think given the nature of how he's performed in these playoffs— you could get a decent return right now. He 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 is also someone's because, gonna be intrigued because of his age and because of his perceived upside. And I mean, not even perceived upside because of his upside. He's still at a point where a really good playoff series could heighten his trade value. Oh, absolutely, you wouldn't say that about 
a 28 year old guy who just like, like pops up. You wouldn't say that. Oh, Gorgie's having an amazing right. playoff. Series. No, yeah, no, I'm talking crazy. about I'm talking about a team saying that this is a max player. It's your fault. He's not, and we're going to trade him, trade for him, and get that potential from yeah. him. He's going to to deliver on that potential. Let's go from Andrew Wiggins and the Wolves' future, immediate and long term, to Chuck Fletcher's future. What to do with the Wild general manager? Mackie mm-hmm. and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. 